Thank you, Katie and Howard. The scripture lesson that is the foundation for today's sermon did not include verses 5 through 11 of Genesis chapter 37. It is those verses that describe Joseph's dreams. You know that his brothers in verses 12 and following referred to Joseph as the dreamer. Uh, but this morning, we want to focus our attention not on the dreams, but on another matter. So let me ask you to pray with me as you pray for me. Loving and gracious Lord, our God, we give you thanks for this moment in this uh, time of worship, the preaching of your word. I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditation of each heart will be pleasing to you. For truly you are our source and you are our strength. You are our redeemer. We ask that those who have heavy hearts will give you their burdens. Those who are being distracted by what's going on within their families as well as within their own personal lives will give you those concerns, those distractions, so that we will bring all of ourselves to this moment. In the name of Jesus to Christ, I pray with thanksgiving. Amen. The story of Joseph, Genesis chapter 37 through Genesis 50, as it is called, serves as the bridge between the stories of Joseph's ancestors, Abraham and Sarah, Hagar, Isaac and Rebecca, and Jacob and Rachel Leah. Uh, these stories, as you may recall, are found in Genesis chapter 12 through 36. And the Joseph story, that bridge, also is a bridge between Israel's subsequent slavery in Egypt, which is recorded in the book of Exodus. In the first of the two lessons, Genesis 37, and by the way, the second lesson is found in Genesis 45, we read of Joseph being sold into slavery. The first lesson of the story of Joseph highlights oppression. Oppression not caused by outsiders, no, oppressions that's caused by insiders, Jacob's relatives, more specifically, Jacob's brothers. Note in verses 27 through 28, we read of two accounts that have been combined. As you read this scripture prior to this morning, I'm sure you, you saw this, what appeared to be a discrepancy. Joseph was sold to the Ishmaelites, and Joseph was kidnapped by the Midianites, forgive me. Both groups, the Ishmaelites and the Midianites, are descendants from half-brothers of Isaac. Hagar's son is Ishmael, 
and Keturah's son is Midian. And so the writer combined the two. Oppression, dear ones, is defined as prolonged cruel or unjust treatment or control. Today in the United States and in other parts of the world, the marks of oppression, i.e. classism, gender bias, educational disparities, racism, healthcare inequities, voter suppression, all signs of oppression are in our midst. And as a result, we are witnessing the ongoing response to these kinds of oppression. That, that response did not just start in 2020, as you know. That response has been taking place for many years, for several generations. People of diverse cultures, races, ages, striving to dismantle oppression in all of its many forms, that is the response that we're seeing today. I wonder, are there persons or groups within our mission field, Evangel Heights United Methodist Church family and friends, who are experiencing oppression in one or more of its insidious forms? And if so, what will our response be? What would cause brothers to act in an oppressive way towards their youngest brother or younger brother? For Joseph's brothers, it was a combination of hatred and jealousy. In the United States, I would suggest it is in part due to a belief system that favors one group over the other. I think about the disbelief, the terror, the fear that Joseph experienced as his robe was being stripped from him, as he was being lifted up by his brothers, as he was being placed in a cistern or pit. I think about his state of mind. If you were to turn to Genesis chapter 42, verse 21, you will hear how one of the brothers described his state. And I quote, the distress of his soul when he besought us and we would not listen. When I read verses 23 through 28, I cannot help but think about children and youth who have been separated from their parents without any concern for the child's mental or emotional well-being. Children and youth sold during slavery times in America. Youth being tried and sentenced as adults for crimes despite the research, the neurobiology research that has proven that the brain development of children and youth are of such that they're not able to fully process the acts 
that they carry out when it comes to violent crimes. Don't misunderstand me. I am not saying that children and youth should not be held accountable for their behavior. What I am saying is that we can no longer ignore the research that says certain types of sentences are inappropriate because of the brain development of children and youth. And I would love to have further conversation with you after today's worship service about this fact. I think about indigenous or Native American children separated from their parents and sent to boarding schools that were designed to remove every semblance of their culture, language, and hatred from them, all under the guise of Christianizing them, making them more civilized. I think of children and youth separated from their parents and placed in cages when parents are deemed or were supposed to be criminals or have been showing neglect to their children. My brothers and my sisters, when I think about how we, especially in these United States, have treated children, and I will confess, treatment that many good folk condoned. I recall a quote from someone who said, if you want to understand how healthy a nation is, See how well they treat their children. Child Defense Fund founder and activist Marianne Wright Edelman states, when Jesus Christ asked little children to come to him, he didn't say only rich children or white children or children with two-parent homes or children who didn't have a mental or physical handicap, he said, let all children come unto me. Have you noticed how the church has used Christianity and the quote-unquote saving of souls to justify oppressive acts? You know from your US history as well as our church history that one of the reasons why racism has been allowed to continue to grow is because the Church of Jesus Christ has been implicit. Racism is a sin, beloved. The Church of Jesus Christ, you and me, we are called to be in the business of eradicating sin, both personal sin as well as societal sin. As disciples of Jesus Christ, Evangel Heights United Methodist Church, we individually and corporately, as the body of Christ, must commit to doing all within the God power that is within us to eradicate this sin and its oppressive manifestations. As United Methodists, we are called not only to personal piety, practicing those means of grace, prayer, worship, participating in the Lord's Supper, that will strengthen our personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. 
we are to focus on our social holiness as well. Living out our faith in the marketplace in a way that people will know that we are disciples of Jesus Christ. This includes speaking up and out about any and all oppressive behaviors and systems that we witness. As we read the account of Joseph in verses 1 through 4 and verses 12 through 28, we can see Joseph as a type of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Follow along with me, please. As we read about Joseph, we see that Joseph, like Jesus Christ, was hated by his fellow kinsmen. Joseph's brothers hated him. The Jews hated Jesus. Joseph, like Jesus Christ, was betrayed by one close to him and for shekels, 20 shekels the brothers were given for selling Joseph to the traders, 30 shekels Judas was given for betraying Jesus Christ. As an adult, Joseph through his political position, and this again will be found in later chapters, brings redemption from famine to his people, Jesus Christ through his death and resurrection, brings redemption to God's people. Now, here is the difference between Joseph and Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. When oppression comes, I know that I can call on Jesus Christ to help me to do what I must do to be an overcomer of the oppression. This may involve my joining with other like-minded individuals or groups to carry out the necessary action, which will always be nonviolent and will involve non-destructive behavior. Although Joseph's dream, a dream revealing the stature and rule of Joseph over his brothers was delayed, it was a temporary delay, Jesus fulfilled his purpose. His purpose was not delayed. Although I would suggest to you on Good Friday, somebody thought his purpose has been denied. Jesus' purpose, coming to reveal to God's creation the heart and mind of God. He walked amongst humankind and he died for humankind's sins, including yours and mine. Because of his purpose, he did not remain dead. No, he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit and is now sitting at the right hand of God the Father, interceding on your behalf, interceding on my behalf. Joseph's dream may have been delayed, but thanks be to God, Jesus Christ's purpose was fulfilled. And because his purpose was fulfilled to reconnect us back to the awesome living God, individually, personally, through the shedding of his blood on the cross and then being raised from the dead, you and I know as his followers that we can stand 
whatever comes our way, we will be able to withstand any form of oppression, in part because Jesus Christ lives within us and also because Jesus Christ will lead us and guide us to be overcomers. Let us pray. We give you thanks, most holy and merciful God, for being a God who fulfills your purposes. Nothing and no one will be able to prevent your purposes from being fulfilled here on earth. So use us individually and corporately as the body of Christ known as Evangel Heights United Methodist Church to carry out your will here on earth as Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, did. It is in his name that I pray. It is in the name of Jesus the Christ that I give you thanks. Amen.